Network, a better way. The podcast filled with stories, experiences, and insights from leading high-performing team experts. Here are your hosts, Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teamwork, a Better Way. I'm Christian Napier, joined as always by uh, my amazing co-host in appropriately fall warm colors today, Spencer. Spencer Horn, how are you doing? I am great. I love the fall weather. It's beautiful outside. So excited to be here. And uh, good to be with you, Christian. Well, it's great to be with you. And uh, yeah, we are experiencing unseasonably warm weather here in the uh, Salt Lake metro area. I understand uh, our guest may be experiencing some beautiful weather up uh, in her neck of the woods as well. Yes. Uh, and, and we're going to introduce you here in a second. So I am so excited to have Fola F. Alabi with us today. And and Fola is someone I met just this year earlier at an event that uh, was the what's called the LIM North America for the Project Management Institute. And when you meet Fola, she is so magnetic. Her personality just jumps out at you and she's just so amazing. And, and people, uh, I mean, I loved meeting her and she just came up to, to talk to me. And so we're here today just because of, of how amazing she is. And I'm excited to tell you just a little bit about who, uh, who she is, but I, I wanted you to get a sense for, for her energy and enthusiasm. Well, Fola F. Alabi is an accomplished international keynote speaker, educator, transformational leader, and she has just one goal, and that is to transform project professionals and C-suite leaders and entrepreneurs into value accelerators. And if you're in the project management world, then you understand the idea of delivering value. And Fola is known as the, and I'm, I'm highlighting the strategic project leader. And She's got all this stuff that, that, that really, uh, you know, the strata catalyst. And I need you to tell us what that is, uh, Fola. Strata catalyst as her work transcends business. So she's, she's so involved in the community outside of, uh, of work. She brings two decades of experience in strategic project delivery with a passion for shaping the project management discipline into a strategic business driver. And, and her education really focuses on you know, strategic leadership. We'll talk about that in just a second. She has a, a visionary insight, and she serves on several organizational boards, guiding them towards strategic outcomes with extensive experience managing projects and PMOs or project management offices for global entities like the Department for Transport, Fortis Alberta, NYSE Euronext, and TC Energy. And so she's got this profound experience and that helps so many. She works with in, in, in her nonprofit life as well in health gaps for women, youth, uh, visible minorities. You know, as an immigrant herself, I want to hear a little bit about that. She's coming from the UK to, to Canada. That creates all kinds of opportunities and, and challenges that she's experiencing and, and having great success and helping others who are in similar circumstances. She's a busy mother of three Doing all this with, with being a mother, I can't even imagine that. She's fluent in four languages, Christian. Wow. How many do you speak? Uh, one, barely. Two others, uh, marginally, terribly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And so she loves traveling, volunteering, podcasting. She is this amazing podcaster. And most importantly, spending time with her adventurous family. She loves to travel. I see her on social media with her, with her husband and children at times. Uh, and she holds a position of vice president on the Project Management Institute, the Southern Alberta chapter. She's writing a book called Project Intelligence, The Practical Steps to Achieving Goals. You know, her, her experience is really valuable today when in, in the world that we live in to gain a competitive edge in, you know, as you know, the world is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, and how do we adapt to all of that is so important. Um, she has several certifications, entrepreneurship and innovation certificate from the Said Business School of Oxford University. She has an MBA in strategic and project management from the London South Bank University, a BA in philosophy from LASU. And she just announced, as if you're busy, not busy enough, Fola, for crying out loud, she's getting, she's working on her doctoral uh, degree, uh, a program on strategic leadership and project neuroeconomics. I have never heard of neuroeconomics, but you're going to tell us about that, aren't you, Fola? Welcome to Teamwork A Better Way. We're so excited to have you. Oh my goodness. Who are you actually introducing? Was that me or someone else? You. (laughs) Such a pleasure to be here today. I'm totally humbled. I just want to say thank you for being here, for the opportunity. Well, thank you so much for coming. Talk talk to us about what, what brought you to Canada. Oh my goodness, where do I start? First off, I want to say I'm one who is so adventurous. I I am never comfortable with just exactly where I am. I always try to push, push the envelope. And so my journey started a couple of, like decades ago, because I moved, I packed my bags all the way from Africa, West Africa, and I moved to England. However, while being in England, I did my master's there. You know, I was working and all that. And my my husband actually said, you know, what's next for us? He has got family in Canada and he was like, it's a great place we visited. I had my son even in Canada, my first son. And I felt, what, what, what next? How can I challenge myself? And what opportunities are actually out there? And we said, why don't we give it a go? At the time, I was just finishing up one of my contracts and he was still working uh, for one of the banks as well in London. But we said, you know, let's go and let's see what's going to happen. And as soon as we arrived in, that's thing we're going to settle. I got a, a role. I, I came to Toronto because of my background. I was actually in financial services. I worked at the banks. And um, 40s Alberta brought me from Toronto all the way to Calgary. And ever since, Calgary has been home for us. How have you liked Calgary? My goodness, Calgary is beautiful. Although I miss London so much, I miss the shopping as well. I miss the people. I miss family. But it's just different. The culture, love it here. And, you know, I've got three kids now. All of them are actually born in Canada. So, it's it's just home for us, and it's 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 lovely. The the steak is good. The mountains are awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're just like ninety kilometers from from Banff, right? I mean, you can just take a quick drive over there and go have tea at at uh, uh, Lake Louise or something if you want to do that. But my father emigrated from Germany to uh, Canada and was going to British Columbia, but but jumped train in Alberta and ended up. Uh, in that beautiful, beautiful province. So we're so glad to, to have you. This is the, the the team performance podcast. And you as just a, a, an expert in, in projects and working with project managers all over the world and with your, with your global experience, I really, and Christian and I are so happy to have you to talk about your perspective 
on team performance. And as a matter of fact, you are you have a, a, a process that you have developed specifically for uh, for team performance in projects. Is that correct? A hundred percent, yes. So through my adventures, you know, working with teams, as you know, when you when we talk about project management and execution and strategy, it takes people. And one person can never set the train and, and stare the right course of direction. And so I had to dig deep to say, how can I improve productivity? How can we do better? And there was no better way than to try and, you know, walk the path of someone else to uncover what your day-to-day job role actually is and understand their pain points so you can better support them. And you can also better become an advocate for a team. So yes, and I came up with a Lend Plus framework. So would you start off by talking about what those pain points are? What is it that is causing the pain for project managers that you really went down this this path? I've got to figure out how to get the, the teams to perform quickly. What did you notice? What did you see in your work with teams? The, the reality is when we're dealing with teams and dealing with people, especially within the project management space, it's a fast-paced environment, right? You've got set timelines, you've got a budget you have to work with, and there's so many variables like stakeholder needs, the customers actually changing requirements. And so dealing with all of this ever-moving parts, you need to be a leader who actually understands, you know, the tactical pieces as well as, all, as, well as being very strategic. And so a lot of the pain points that I found is a lot of team members trying to manage their workload as well as staying focused to what the actual needs of the business are and also being able to support every other person because within projects, there are always going to be different streams, different work packages, and it takes everyone working together to ensure that we can actually achieve that actual strategic goal. That's the only way we can achieve success. If I win alone and Spencer doesn't, we've actually lost. I have to win and Spencer has to win. So we all have to work collectively. That's why it's all about that harnessing the power in collaborative, you know, um, competence that we could achieve uh, leveraging the Lend Plus framework. Sorry, Christian, I, I have one more comment and I know you've got stuff on your mind, but I was just in Indonesia recently and there was a, uh, one of the speakers from Malaysia. He was brilliant. Uh, just one of the things that he said, Fola, is that you can be you know, successful uh, in completing the project on time, on budget, but at what cost at, uh, on the human scale? In other words, he finished the project and there were, quote unquote, blood on the walls and no one ever wanted to work with him again. <laughs> right? What are you going to do, right, to ensure that you don't have a blood trail for sure? Right. And so, I mean, so part of this, what you talk about, tactical is getting it done and, and all the steps that you get there. Strategic is how do you deliver the best value for, you know, for the project, uh, you know, stakeholders and have people on the team want to continue to work with you for the next project so you can sustain your ability to, to, to provide value, right? Yeah, 100%. So, so I want to know how you do that and how do you make sure that, you know, you talk about accelerated environments. How do you get a team to come together so quickly? Because project teams disperse and come together and disperse. And so you have to really have some special skills. And, and I'd love to hear your perspective on that. First off, as you know, you know, we always told to start with the, with the end in mind. 
However, I say before we can even get that far is we all need to be on the same page. So the foundation of putting a, a team together that's actually going to be successful is to ensure that everyone can come together and understand what exactly is the goal. What are we trying to achieve? And how can we get there together? That's the key here. Understanding the goal and then taking it a step further to then say, what exactly you know, are the different roles that we all are going to play to ensure that we can get there. Taking it even deeper is to understand what I'm really good at. Because, you know, you could be like a technical expert, but you can just say, listen, when it comes to communication or like dealing with stakeholders, it's something that is not actually my strength. But setting the stage right and setting the scene right from the very beginning is absolutely critical. And so what I teach and actually mentor, you know, project professionals and the, or business leaders is ensuring that you get like that team chatter or whatever it is you want to put together at the start, that everyone's to come together and just like make it light and fun and say, this is the goal. We know that we have a chatter signed. We know we have to deliver maybe a multi-billion dollar initiative. However, what exactly are the business goals? How can we get there as a team and how do we identify what we are also good at, because it's possible that, you know, one could actually be good at just putting your feet down and just say, I want to get the work done, but you may not be good with people. So ensuring that you already have an idea of what the dynamics of the team is, we know what the strengths and what the weaknesses are already, you can then pretty much almost body up. And I also set a foundational rule where I say, believe it or not, for us to win, we can only win when we win together. And so it's not about competition, it's about true collaboration. And no one will be rewarded if you go sabotage another person. We will all will fail in the process. So when we think about it that way, that it's about we and not me, it shifts everything. The paradigm is different. And so when you come into work, you know, goodness, I need to support the team because there's something that's actually not going well, or maybe something's going so well. I need to learn. There's that transparency, there's that agility, there's that fluidity that exists and everyone can actually work together just knowing that it's about we and not me. Well, this conversation for me is fascinating, Fola. I appreciate you taking time to, to meet with us today. My question really focuses on your trademark, which is the strategic project leader. Man, I have a hard time speaking this morning. The strategic project leader. And you mentioned being a strategist and a tactician as a project manager. I remember having a conversation. It was over 20 years ago. I, I just wrapped up my stint as a technology project manager for the Salt Lake 2002 Olympic Games and uh, having a conversation over dinner with a member of the C-suite and he challenged me to think strategically. And I thought I thought strategically, but I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. And I'm curious from your perspective, uh, what are you seeing in project managers that compels you to position yourself as focusing on strategy, the strategic project leader, because oftentimes uh, project managers are very focused on what's right in front of us, right? It's, we have to get this job done. We have tasks we got to do, uh, and we don't think about things strategically. So what was it that that um, 
that motivated you to really focus on the strategic element of project management? That's a great question. I think, and that question is fundamental to my organization because I'm the founder of Strategic Project Leader Inc. Over the last two decades, having worked on several projects, I found that, you know, as we know, data shows that over 70%, especially within IT projects, actually fail not delivering on the actual um, strategic intent you know, that the product was actually set out to deliver from the start. And why is that? When we peel the onion backwards, we find that beyond just delivering projects on time, on budget and on schedule, there's so many elements actually come to play. And so when we look at an organization from the start, we know that organizations have the C-suite level and the strategy team that set the direction of you know, the organization, they pick initiatives, strategy actually gets designed at that stage and then it gets handed off to what I, what I call strategy execution, which is where project management actually comes to play. And then that gets handed over to strategy realization. And then we have operations as well that sits parallel to that. But over the years, I found that even projects actually get delivered within those three parameters of on time, on budget, and on schedule. At times, they haven't still hit the mark as well. Because as you know, we live in a world that is constantly changing with AI technology, with customer needs and everything like changing so fast, we can never just execute the way we've done things like years and years ago. We need to be fully connected to understand now beyond just delivering to the triple constraints now, what else truly matters? Because I'll give you a typical example. There was a product I had to come in to do a postmortem on and I found that the project managers and the project team delivered completely. But why was this product still a failure? The business strategy had totally moved like light years away, but this project was actually never stopped when it should have been stopped. And then I asked the project manager a question and I said, did you see that um, technology had actually shifted and things have actually moved? Did you notice that? He was like, oh, I was focused on my project chatter and that was what I was actually brought into. I'm like, that's right. However, there are strategic, strategic markers that tie into the why behind your project. So project managers need to understand that beyond just looking in, into the weeds, you have to raise your head up and understand what is the strategic alignment? How does this product align to the business? Why are we doing this product in the first place? What exactly are the key drivers? And understanding that piece is what elevates the mayor project manager to become a strategic project leader. In doing this, we're going to achieve three things. One, a project manager become more positioned to take on more strategic roles in the organization. Two, more products are actually going to be executed to actually deliver strategic value. And three, we are going to be able to fill the overall global economy because when we deliver projects more um, successfully, the economy actually thrives. The skill of a project manager today in order to actually adapt and create value goes beyond just delivering to the triple constraints now. It, it's all about ensuring that you can be tactical yet strategic to create the triple win, I call that. So, you need to take me some dancing after this. <laughs> right. So, Fola, tell, tell us why you think that thinking strategically is... Obviously, there's an opportunity for project managers to get better at that. Why do you think that that is something that is perhaps a struggle? 
or a challenge for many project managers in your opinion? As you know, just like if I told you if you're right-handed, right? And I say, can you actually try and um, your hand, you know, another way, if you like, you do things a certain way, the way PMs have been taught to execute projects for decades has been a certain way. You know, you go in, you start with you know, initiating a, a project, you go and you, you, you get the requirements, you understand what the customer needs, you know, charter is set, you sign up, you put your team together, you know, you go through planning, execution, monitoring, and controlling, you close the project. That's normal. Now it's a case of with all everything that's already going, that's already tough, you're not asking me to say, now think about how this affects the business. And so this is actually new, new territory, new domain. And even when we think about the Global Permanent Institute, for instance, we are, they are now looking at this overall like portfolio, look, overall like business acumen as an additional skill that project managers actually need. And so when you, you think about or you tell someone to do something out of you know the new the, the normal, it's totally different, and it takes a different skill set as well that you have to learn. And so it's okay if, if you want to be a med project manager, you can stick to that. But that just means that you have a cap in your career that you keep doing that, you execute on projects. As Spencer said earlier on, you kind of brought in and then when the project ends, you kind of swapped out. But these are new breed of leaders that we are trying to raise today. Who can step up the game? Who need to push themselves a little bit more? As you said, I have decided to read more. I want to learn. I want to be better. But it's really not for everyone. Not everyone makes it to C-suite, right? Not everyone becomes, you know, a chief financial officer, a chief charity officer, or CEO. But I am all about working with the, probably the 10% who want to elevate, who want to add a new, you know, different type of skill set, which is needed today more than ever before. But it's definitely new. It's an add-on. And so ensuring that um, the teams and project professionals understand that this is a new domain, this is a new territory, but it's only for those who are definitely ready, you know, not to be relegated. And so it's stepping up the game. And that's why it's just, it's just a little bit challenging because it's, it's something new. It's an added amount of work, you know, it's an added amount of thinking and mindset that they have to add on as well to ensure that they are long-term successful. You know, that's, uh, it, it, is, it is a choice and it is added work. And I remember, I mean, I know PMI Project Management Institute has been talking about the, the three, fo you know, the, the, the three-pronged fo focus includes not only technical acumen, but leadership and um, business acumen, which you pointed out. And they've been doing that for years. But in 2018, I was, uh, I was the closing keynote speaker at a at an event in, in Puerto Rico and Jim Snyder, who's one of the original six founders of PMI was the opening. And afterwards he, after, you know, I, I talk about leadership and business acumen in, in, in my speaking. And he said, most project managers don't struggle with the technical aspects. Many of them come from engineering backgrounds and technical backgrounds, but they struggle with this leadership and business acumen. And as a result, a lot of project managers are not getting to that table, the C-suite table that you talk about, because they are not thinking strategically. They are thinking more tactically. And you pointed out, rightly so, I mean, how much of the, of the economy is driven by projects? And yet we still have CEOs and, and people in the C-suite that are questioning, occasionally questioning the value of, of, of project managers, which is a tragedy. And, and what's happening is, is that you are empowering people, as I understand it, and several others of us 
are empowering people to really help understand, the C-suite understand the value, not only to the business, but to the economy as a whole. And that's, that's a failing of, of, of project managers to not self-advocate, to show why we deserve a seat at the table because we are, we, are, we are supporting your business. It's not just, hey, I'm an executor. I do this. I do that. I, I was in Houston at a, an event of project managers. And one of the people sitting at my table, we, he was just saying, you know, I, I work for a government agency. They had no idea what I did. So basically, they, they took my job away and had me do something else. And two months later, they begged for me to come back because they had no idea the value that I was providing. <laughs> I think that happens often. Don't, what do you think? Oh my goodness. I was just on my podcast. I had, um, Dr. Alexander on the show. You don't even want to know. He's like a professor at Oxford university. And he was talking about the fact that project management is just seen as like an invisible skill. It, like it's, an invisible skill. Yes. Because you, what PMs kind of come into the, it's really not as tangible. Like they kind of feel uh, an accountant, they kind of manage the numbers, probably they kind of create stuff, but making it more tangible is the step that project managers, project professionals, environment institutes, like the bodies of knowledge needs to come together and start advocating for this. And what does that truly mean? It means, as you said, we need to start self-advocating, you know, for what the value that we actually create. And I no longer address my project managers as project managers. I call them strategy drivers. Strategy drivers. They drive strategy. And from the positioning perspective, is absolutely critical that even the way PMs show up, they have to be positioned to show that, for instance, without my role, strategy can never come to life. And so, right, even if you've got the best of ideas, you know, we want to break into new markets, we want to measure and acquisitions, you need a project management professional to turn that idea into something really, really tangible, that outcome that businesses actually want as well. And so there, there's a lot of work that has to be done from advocacy you know, from to actually stepping up um, the game within the environment professional. But it's, it's a case where the C-suite level as well have to get educated on what project management truly is. And that way, we will be able to get not just buy-in, we'll also be able to understand, they will be, they will be able to understand the value project managers actually bring to the table, as well as be present and be there to help remove the roadblocks that they currently consistently, you know, go through without having anyone to actually help them out. So it takes um, a collaborative effort from the C-suite level for them to like, get educated and the PM level to actually come up and elevate their game as well and start advocating more. And hopefully with people leaders like yourself as well, we can all come together to start showcasing the strategic value that project management discipline brings. That's why we need to create strategic project leaders. <laughs> All right. Well, I have so many questions, but one thing I want to focus on going back, rewinding just maybe five minutes on something that you said, which is, uh, hey, you know, we spent decades learning to cross our arms this way. Now we need to learn to cross our arms this other way. It doesn't necessarily feel comfortable to us from the outset. And along with that, I, I want to share an example and then ask a question about how you manage expectations. The example, since you guys have Canadian roots, my favorite rock band of all time happens to be Rush, which is Canadian. And they have one of the best drummers of all time, Neil Peart. Neil, 
back in the 1990s, you know, he was one of the premier, if not the premier drummer in, in, in rock in progressive rock. Uh, but he felt like he was, uh, stagnant and that he was very stiff because he had learned to play along uh, very well with click tracks. And he felt like he didn't have the feel of a drummer. And he played with the match grip. I got sticks here. And apologies, Clint Pulver. I'm not a drummer. But uh, <laughs> he, you know, he was holding the sticks be listening. way. So what he did is he went and he got someone to teach him how to play differently. Freddie Gruber, uh, another amazing drummer, who taught him how to play traditional grip with the with the sticks it takes time to make these kinds of skill changes and and developments it doesn't happen instantaneously and i think sometimes uh both project managers ourselves as well as people in the c-suite may not have the right expectation as to the level of effort and time that's required to make these changes and so my my question to you uh fola is how do you work with both the strategic leadership of the organization, the C-suite, as well as the project managers themselves to make this transformation over time and to manage their expectations that, hey, they're not going to come to my seminar, that the light bulb may go off, but the ability to just do this naturally, fold your arms differently naturally, it may take some time. You know, So give people some grace and have a little bit of patience if you don't see immediate results. Uh, because it does take time to develop these skills. So how is it that you go about actually uh, managing those expectations with both the C-suites and the project managers themselves? I'll start off with um, the project managers. First off, with everything, at the foundational level is, before you can actually, um, as I said, try to help me in any way, you need to understand my world. And so I tell the project managers to say, what exactly do the C-suites truly care about? You need to get the attention of the C-suite leaders. You need to speak their language, right? Rather than coming in to say, I've got my raid log and I've got all of this fancy stuff. Tie that <laughs> in data that shows that, listen, if we are behind by even a month, it means that our ROI is going to be impacted by X. Or there's an actual risk that we're kind of um, trying to walk through that could actually impact our social license to operate. Or guess what? You know, if we don't actually put this in, overall, the other piece, our major, um, maybe clients, we're going to lose that. We need to start thinking about the big picture and think about what truly matters at that strategic level. And it's really not so much to do, but just elevating your thought process a little bit to say, what exactly does C-suite level really care about? And if I want to grab their attention, I need to speak their language. That way, they are going to be more than open to hear me and listen. And flip it the other way to the C-suite leaders as well. It's again, it's back to the numbers, right? We're having all of these failures. And why are these things happening? It's impacting your role as a leader. And how can we change that? How can we ensure that we don't just, um, we don't just execute on projects, but we realize the benefits? And so bringing your game back to them for them to see that beyond just signing off a piece of paper that says, this is a project chat that has been signed. We have a team to deliver on that. If Proudventure, you can sit in on one of our meetings like once a month where we had a key issue, it wouldn't have actually escalated probably a little bit longer that I shifted the schedule. So you've been part of this. You can remove the roadblocks. You know what that means? That means that we can get to market maybe like a month earlier. 
or when you go back to lessons learned, you can actually see that just your physical presence there, you can actually see a little bit of the pain points that currently exist. But again, it all, it's at the end of the day, a lot of the time it's always the numbers that always speak way, way more. And so elevating project management beyond just, I never really just say project management, I call and I say, we are here to achieve our strategy. And how can we do that together? It means that project managers, for instance, need to be part of decision-making because when decisions have actually been made at the start of a project, without the insight of the team who are going to execute on it, imagine what happens. The people who are going to be building the bridge, you know, we're given a timeline based on you who just went to play golf on a, a golfing rail, and then you're like, you guys made some decisions on a, a go-live date, and then the technical aspects have actually shifted so much to the engineering design. We need to be part of that conversation because there's, some more, there's some, so much more complexities that currently exist that just having a, a strategy realization office kind of like a PMO, like representative, as part of the strategy design, you can get deeper insights as to how things really work in reality. And so it's all about back and forth of the kind of advocacy and then, then really seeing tangible results of making those slight baby step shifts. We can start seeing change. But again, it's always where I show the data that shows that, yes, this is kind of how we've done things status quo. This is what the new normal will actually bring to us. And you then choose. Are you ready to just stay as is? And then we create the same outcomes? Or are you open to say, let's make this you know, piece more like a collaborative piece where we bring the actual teams who will be helping us execute and let's see what the outcome is. So like having like little pilots that show them what's possible with a, with a, with a shift is what has always helped me get results consistently. How are you seeing, Fola, the project managers that you're working with and meeting with responding to what you're showing them and, and sharing with them? What's, what's been the response in your experience? My goodness, we, I have had overwhelmingly positive response because even in my DMs, they keep coming to say, Fola, what's next? Because as project managers as well, they have also found that there seems to be like a glass ceiling, right? Where it's just like they're kind of in this role and then they're like, what next? What can I really do? And so it's even a case of where they're trying to crack out of the shell to say, what do I need to be doing differently now? What work can I do? What skills do I need to you know, add on to my plate? Because I am tired of being a PM for over 15 years. I want to do something else. I want a different challenge. And so how do I navigate that? And that's the positive piece. And that's why I'm, I'm actually writing a course that will be helping project managers actually tackle this actual challenge, almost like getting an MBA, but probably just in less than 90 days. So you can pretty much understand strategy, connect that to product delivery, and see the world of real business, right? And you can apply that and elevate and step up your game as a project professional. Well, that's, that is great that they are seeing the, the value. And, and you're right. I, I mean, you say that I'm tired of being a project manager. I, you know, people were excited about getting into the profession because they get to work on these amazing projects and there's there's this sense of accomplishment that comes when you get to whether you know delivering software building a bridge or a building or whatever it is that you're doing uh, you know 
Christian here delivering the, the Olympic Games and the part you played in that, I mean, there's something so fulfilling about seeing that delivered successfully. Yet the frustration comes when we have to continually argue for our value and, and what it is that, that we're doing. And so what I see is many project managers get to a point where they're just like, this is a fight that I'm frustrated with and I want to do something different. I want to grow past this this block is what I heard you say. Yes. Yeah. It's a beginning cry, as you know, where people kind of say, you know, what next for me? People are lucky they could move from the path of being a project manager to maybe being like, being like a, a PMO manager or a PMO director. But pretty much it's almost like a ceiling there. What next? Yeah. Always seeing organizations who, who kind of have a more projectized environment. For instance, like when I was at TC Energy, a Keystone project or the Coastal Gasling, those are multi-billion dollar initiatives. At that, you know, within that particular um, uh, illustration, the PMs, imagine something so large that they have to like have that dotted line to see sweet but however when is that on a smaller scale it's more or less they're kind of like subsumed under like little departments and stuff you're like i just deliver this and i kind of walk away so it's now a case of we need to elevate just like an accountant that says i could become the next chief financial officer what kind of project manager actually say what's the career path what's the career trajectory i want to create strategic project leaders who can actually drive strategy and become chief strategy officers? And that's my goal. I love that path uh, because it is a real question, right? Like you said with the accountants, okay, I've got a path I can become the CFO, or if I'm the, you know, if I'm the person in HR, I can become the chief people officer or the CHRO or something like this, or. You know, if I'm in operations, I can become the COO. So what is the path for project management? I think that's really, really fascinating. Uh, at risk of taking a bit of a left turn, I do want to ask about risk. Um, and I'm curious your perspective on the role that risk plays in all of this, uh, you know, because uh, project managers have to be able to, to effectively manage risks and identify risks. Uh, uh, when it comes to projects and those risks can be strategic uh, risks. And uh, it seems to me that the, the, the value of being a strategic project leader, uh, ne you need to be aligned uh, with how the organization is uh, assessing its own risk and its tolerance for risk, because there are uh, opportunities, I think, for some disruptive innovation uh, in the way that we deliver projects, but those disruptions may uh, may have some, there may be some element of risk involved there. It's just on top of mind for me because I'm going through that on a project with a client right now uh, where there's a solution that's being implemented. It's relatively new, uh, but could have substantial benefits, but there are risks associated with implementing new technologies that haven't necessarily been uh, tried and true and tested for 10 years. And so <laughs> I'll just wrap up my lengthy question here and just uh, ask you, you know, what's your what's your thought on, on risk and how project managers, especially strategic project leaders, should be looking at risk in today's innovative environment with all of these AIs and all this kind of stuff floating around? I always love going back to the basics, right? We say, what exactly is effective risk management in the first place? It actually involves identifying and analyzing uh, 
and mitigating potential risk, right? Minimizing the impact for the project and for the organization. That's pretty much what you're there to do. And at an organizational level, at a C-suite level, they have different risks looking at impact on new markets, innovation, technology, and the project managers kind of looking at their own project. With everything, you need to understand first, what exactly is the risk appetite for the kind of business you currently run? You need to identify what the risks are and do those, those analysis. And the assessment that comes out of that will help you get a number of how you're going to mitigate whatever risk um, is actually out there. And with that, it's about what dollar amount do you put on that? And so it's all about getting it back to the C-suite leaders for them to make this decision. So even if you talk about new technologies, I love Apple so much. And I, I go and I look at the overall um, innovation phase where from the CEO to the guy who fixed, mixed the widgets for the new iPad or the new iPhone or whatever technology, there's that seamless, there's that communication. They are all intertwined. And even when something happens because of that piece of collective collaboration that happens, there's greater visibility. So in managing risk, it's about how much and how far do we want to go? If an organization is one that's actually very, very risk adverse, you're going to say, we need to pilot some things. We cannot roll out the new technology that, that maybe gets AI to take over how we do our uh, accounting system, for instance. That doesn't make a lot of sense. It might mean that you take a little um, piece of the work and say, let's test that out. Let's see how that works. Let's take it to market first. Rather than taking like a full, full-blown approach, it's all about understanding the appetite of, you know, the risk appetite, understanding what the impact actually is, and then creating the right strategies to manage that. Because it's a high risk, high reward, but is everyone open to that? You think about it even like in the stock market, right? People say, go and buy those crypto shares, right? <laughs> you know, you put in a couple of um, hundred dollars, you're going to make millions. Are you, are you risk adverse? Do you want to do that? But again, it's back to the actual driving strategy of the organization. How far do you want to go? You want to take baby steps and pilot some things, or you want to go full bang, and then the reward could be great. Or also, you could also lose. You could also actually risk losing the organization. So it's about the direction of the organization, how they want to manage this, but ensuring that a project professional gives options. That's the key. You assess the risk. You say this is option one. That's the impact. That's the probability, and then let the key people make that decision. Giving our senior leaders enough tools and data to make the right decision in a timely manner is what sets the stage for success or for failure. So the choice is actually in the hands of our project managers and they have to make that decision. Well, you know, Christian, I'm all about full bang. So um, I, I love that. I love that term. I'm going to have to use that. Um, Fola, you know, we're, we're kind of getting towards the end of our time together. Just so grateful for your presence and great answers. And just we really, really appreciate what you're doing. And one of the things that we promised our listeners is that you would talk about your Learn Plus formula. You know. And we're having so much of a conversation that we haven't even gotten to that. Could, could you spend some time because that's I assume that's part of the, the process of helping or process for our, our Canadians and, 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 and Brits following. What is it that that you how do you use that to help uh, progress, you know, project managers through to that uh, to that more strategic project manager? I assume that's what that really does. 
Yeah, that's um, a key piece of it. As I said before, my hypothesis or idea around all of this is before you can actually create anything, before you can actually help solve my problems, you need to try and come walk a day in my shoes. And so in, in able to actually unlock the full potential in that collaborative um, competence to actually harness that, it takes walking through some couple of things. And so the first step in the LEM framework is actually the elders about lim limitations, embracing vulnerability, where, you know, I walk through, I do like a workshop with teams to uncover. I want to understand what the limitations you're actually facing. So imagine the three of us are in a group and we want to, you know, go, go and start off on a project. I take some time to say, let's talk about this. I could be a technical architect. You could be like a BD person and the other person maybe just does communication. So just walk me through, for instance, what are the signs of weaknesses? What are the things that are, are not really working so well? People can actually be open to just talk about what exactly are limiting you from getting work done. That's the L. It's a piece where you have to create a, a stage where people actually open to share and to learn. Because when we acknowledge that we've got limitations as well, that keeps us in a, in, a, in, a, in a safer space. And because you've already set the stages well, where everyone knows that it's a safe place to share, and that's the L. The E is about like an exploration phase. This is about empathy. It's, it's actually huge in this because we want people to be able to, op to be open to really share. And so where we go to an exercise where we have real life cases, we explore and we, we look at stuff where teams are working under pressure to understand, okay, during your work day, during your work packages, what are the insight? What are the things that, you know, are really working well and are not really what are going so well as well. And so we get, we dive deep into like day to day. So it's a case of I'm stepping, I'm putting away my own workload and putting that aside. And I want to just walk in your shoes during that particular exercise. So we go to an exploration phase and then whatever we gather, the A is about the analysis. Let's analyze, let's get deeper into it. So based on what you've actually found, based on what the challenges are, what exactly has been the bottlenecks? Is it about not getting resources? Is it about people? Is it about a skill challenge? Is it even something that you can go in as a leader with your team to understand what's really going on in their world? So it's an insight into that strategy and understanding what's really working and what isn't. And then, after you do the analysis, you can actually bring forward recommendations to say, oh, I, I never saw things that way in your world. You know, these are probably things that I have done that maybe could be helpful. But this is really a chance where teams really get vulnerable and they really open up. And it helps other people, especially when you're dealing with different disciplines, to get a piece into the world of what another person actually faces on a day-to-day -day basis. And then you can offer recommendations. You can recommend. And then even at the end of that, because especially when teams they really want to get a piece of another team, maybe you want more resources, you can then negotiate, which is the end. You negotiate and you get into agreement to say, okay, now I've realized, for instance, that maybe we've had issues with maybe getting some technical pieces done because you had issues with um, resources or maybe it's a skill set issue. You can negotiate and say, guess what? I'm going to release maybe like 5% five, five, um, of my time to ensure that you have got the resources you need and then you can actually agree on what that piece will be and what that transition will actually look like. So remember again, the L is about being embracing vulnerability, that's limitations, exploring what that is. E is about exploration, getting deeper into what those limitations truly are, doing a deeper analysis as the A and R is where you can actually recommend solution and the N is about how you negotiate. You negotiate together to create a win-win. Remember, it's about 
we cannot mean. When we step away from that, we have a, a different mindset. It's a shift as to how we tackle work. Because it's not about being the expert, right? It's about how we can walk and coalesce together to create the outcomes that we actually want. And then the plus there is about how we then explore, how we go back and review. So we go back, maybe like we have a checkpoint. Four weeks, a month after, we say, okay, how are things really going? Did my recommendations work or did we need to change anything? We can actually do that, that lessons learned and that post implementation piece and continuously learn. And then communication ties it in with a bow tie. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Because until you really share what you're actually going through, until you're open and vulnerable, you can never move past the pains that you are currently going through. And so once we step into a mindset of we are not me, thinking about those little steps that have actually put together, we can start finessing the power of collaboration. Wow. Well, that's a mic drop uh, uh, ending to this to the segment there, if, I, if I've ever heard one. Uh, Spencer, uh, before we wrap it up, do you have any other final comments or thoughts? No, just just thanks and and admiration, Fola, for for you and what you're doing, and and uh, and know how busy you are. So we're grateful to have you so much uh, of your time today. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you, Fola. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, to my knowledge, to my recollection, you're the first person on this podcast who used the word per adventure. So you get major points in my book for that. <laughs> and then. Uh, <laughs> so, so I have to ask though, uh, Fola, if people want to connect with you, if they want, you know, whether they're project managers who are looking to become strategic project leaders, or there are, they are executives who are looking to build strategic project managers in their organizations, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Oh, you can connect with me here on LinkedIn. I think that my link will actually be on there or just go to folaalaby.com. You can actually book a call and let's have a conversation and let's elevate and create strategic project leaders. Thank you so much, Fola. And Spencer, if people want to uh, contact you, you do so many, uh, you, you do so many good things uh, to help organizations build high-performing teams. What's the best way for people to contact you? Same. LinkedIn, Spencer Horn, look me up. And Christian, Fola, doesn't he have the best questions? You know, the both of you are fantastic, though. So yeah, but like I, I, I'm on a mission for the world to meet Christian because he's just such an incredible individual. And so I, I'm just so honored to have you as a co-host. So thank you, Fola, for, for saying that. And how do people find you, Christian? Well, per adventure, should someone uh, have interest uh, in connecting with me, LinkedIn, the trifecta, everybody uh, just you know, look us all up on LinkedIn. Just look up Christian Napier. I'm happy to contact and connect with anybody there. So what a wonderful hour of conversation, Fola, uh, Spencer. Thank you so much. Listeners, viewers, thank you also for joining us. And please continue to join us. Like and subscribe to our podcast. And we'll catch you again soon.